In continuing the discussion of the armour of God, we've now come to the helmet of salvation. And take the helmet of salvation, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 17. The word for helmet is comprised of two words, peri, peri, P-E-R-I, which means around, and kephale or kephalia, K-E-P-H-A-L-E, which is a head, so around the head, uh, it's quite literally what it, what it references. Now, every time I've heard this taught, it's been about, uh, it's been taught that the helmet of salvation refers to guarding your intellectual process. In other words, stay away from worldly philosophies and, and the rest of that. It's not. It's not at all that. Let me show you what it is. Because we find this exact uh, precursor to the Ephesian letter in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah 59. So, uh, starting at about verse 11, he says, We look for justice, but there is none, for salvation, but it is far from us. This is a very distressed Israel. You are you and our sins testify against us. Verse 12, I skipped that, but it says, For our transgressions are multiplied before you, speaking of the Lord, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. This sounds almost like um, like the dirge of Ezekiel as he spoke of the second taking away into Babylonian captivity. And indeed, Isaiah and the book of Isaiah is written uh, in and around the time of the Babylonian captivity. So Israel was in a place of spiritual destitution, both the leaders and the people. As for our iniquities, he says, we know them. Verse 13 of Isaiah 59, continuing, in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back and Righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. I know you're probably saying, uh, well, yes, but what does that have to do with the helmet of salvation? Well, stay with me. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil 
makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. It was some, somewhat of a consternation to God that no one was speaking up, no one was speaking the truth. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. His own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Here it is, Isaiah 59, speaking of the very things that Paul is speaking about in Ephesians 6. Take the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the very things. And a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. God will judge on the basis of what the judges have done and inasmuch as the judges did unrighteously, God will give them according to their standards of judging. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up its standard against him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual forces of evil. These are the descriptors of the enemy who comes in as a flood. When the enemy comes in as a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. Well, what is the standard? Well, the standard, of course, is personified in the person of the Redeemer who comes out of Zion and those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore." So he's talking about judging, judging unrighteously versus judging righteously. Speaking about the standard of judgment as this helmet of salvation, quite the opposite or quite different from, I would say, protecting the intellect from false um, ideologies. He's talking about something referred to in Hebrews as the elementary, in, in the elementary doctrines and of eternal judgment. 
Eternal judgment is not judgment at the end of the age or judgment in the age to come. This elementary doctrine which is prefaced and presaged here is about the manner in which you judge according to a righteous standard. Eternal standards are the ways of the righteous. The helmet of salvation, that which goes around the head, if you like, is about, it's part of the clothing with righteous adjudications, doing and saying what is right, no matter what the pressure is to the contrary. Just a bit from uh, um, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, we're told, let us but be, uh, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, this is about clothing yourself with the righteousness of Christ in all circumstances so that your judgments are uncompromised even in the smallest of things. That's the helmet of salvation. Why is that so? It is so because it evinces the truth that you're no longer of this world, that you've been translated from the rule of Satan to become under the rule of Christ and the transfer from one kingdom to another is bearing the fruit of righteous judgment. In that fashion, the enemy, when he comes, finds nothing in you, nothing in you that's familiar to him, nothing in you that he may suborn, he finds nothing in you that is like him, nothing in you that retains the taint of a kingdom characterized by compromised judgments, the judgments of convenience, the judgments of inequity, the judgments that have to do with benefiting at the expense of the vulnerable and favoring those who may in turn favor you. Let me show you something about this helmet of salvation as spoken to in great length in a particular psalm. This is Psalm 82. It is a challenging psalm, I will tell you, to begin with, but it delineates the problem perfectly and it shows what the solution is by contrasting Christ to 
those who have authority but whose judgments have been hopelessly compromised. Before we get into it, why is that important today? What are we seeing today? Really what we're seeing is a leadership that has become so compromised that the people are suffering and they're suffering from not knowing what to do. They're suffering from not knowing what the truth is. If you don't know what the truth is, you cannot make good decisions and inevitably the decisions you make based upon falsehoods will cost you. A lie will always cost you and depending on what the lie affects, it may cost you everything. I'm astonished at this particular moment in history when the powerful in every realm, the powerful in politics, the powerful in economics, the powerful in in terms of influence in society, everybody is in this mad rush to secure himself or herself on the basis of what they can get. Whenever you see, for example, a story on the news, all you have to do is remind yourself of what the prejudice or preference of the news source is. I used to read the Wall Street Journal because I had the idea that it accurately portrayed um, events. I find the editorials of the Wall Street Journal now to be predictably slanted in a fashion that is not even slightly slanted. If it were a ship, it would be a sinking ship. Now I understand that the Wall Street Journal was bought by the Murdoch, as in Rupert Murdoch, um, enterprise, his collection of newspapers and uh, journals and television stations and so on, his media empire. And by and large, if you trust the editorials of the Wall Street Journal, it will slant your thinking in as biased a fashion as any other of these biased uh, news outlets. There is no distinguishing between the right and the left in terms of honesty and integrity in journalism. Now, editorials are commentaries. They're not obligated to report anything. They're merely uh, 
the ruminations of editors um, regarding events of a particular day or events of a particular time. And I picked the Wall Street Journal because it used to be reliable, it used to be even-handed, but since it has been folded into the Murdoch fold, it's no different from any other uh, purveyor of propaganda. We could talk about on the left uh, CNBC and on the right Fox News and so on. But even as I say these things, I know that in the church right now there are likely to be people hearing what I'm saying who turn off this program. That's how compromised we've become. Nobody cares, almost no one anymore cares to hear anything that's different from what they agree with. And frankly, I don't care. Turn it off if you will. Drown in your own ignorance if you choose. You have that right. And it doesn't matter even slightly to me. Now, let me show you. I've already laid up for you what this is about, but let's go into the second psalm. I'm sorry, into the 82nd psalm. I want to show you what God thinks about it. So if I still have you as an audience, here's what God has to say about compromised judgments. This is how despicable compromised judgments are to the righteousness of God. And I don't care whether the compromise comes from the left or the right, from the top or the bottom, meaning from people at the top of the economic scale or people at the very bottom. It doesn't matter to me. I speak for God. I speak for the, I speak for the Lord. And frankly, I don't care who agrees or disagrees with me. If the Spirit of Truth is in you, when Christ is lifted up, you will come to the truth, you'll be drawn to the truth. If the truth offends you, I don't care what you think about or how charitably you view yourself, you're not of the truth. He who, he who is of the truth is drawn to the light. He who is not of the truth heaps to himself teachers for what his lust dictates. And we're at the point where this is not a beauty contest. I'm not trying to solicit followers. I don't care about being an influencer. Those are the people who are seeking an identity inasmuch as they don't have one. I am a son of God and as such I've been assigned the grace of carrying the presence of God in an apostolic mantle. I know that. How I carry the grace of God is not my identity. My identity is that of a son. In that sense, 
am an equal standing with all other sons. However, the measure of grace given to me is designed to affect those who hear. And if you reject the apostles and who are the sent ones and the true prophets, I'm not talking about these uh, Trump prophets, God has overthrown them and we ought not allow them to come back short of measuring their words providing they have repented. They should repent as publicly as they fell and as they declined. And then, then, we must measure them by the Word to see if they've changed or they're just trying to reboot. All right? Now, I've delayed long enough, let's get into Psalm 82. God and that word there is, one of the references to God is the word Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim, God, stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges amongst the Elohim, judges amongst the gods. Same word. And you're reading correctly. He judges amongst the gods. By the way, keep in mind we're talking about the helmet of salvation, which is not about your intellectual process, but whether or not you judge righteously. So God stands in the congregation of the mighty and God judges amongst the gods. So who are the gods here? and it's it's rendered small g, but the word in the Hebrew is the same, Elohim, Elohim. This is how God the Almighty judges amongst those who are called gods. God asks question, how long will you judge unjustly? and show partiality to the wicked, Selah. So whoever these gods are, God the Almighty is upbraiding them, rebuking them. The Supreme Judge is rebuking the corrupt judges. Well, that's, that's, so let's pause here and, and deconstruct this so you understand before we go forward. The word God in reference, as referenced in Scripture has multiple uh, names, multiple Hebrew terms attributed to the, simply the word God. The terms that are attributed depend upon what the context is uh, in which God is referenced. So for example, Yahweh is God and typically that has to do with a reference to God who is described as 
the God of age upon age or endless ages, God beyond the the reasoning of man, God beyond time, God beyond eons, God who in fact created time. That's the concept of Yahweh, I am that I am. I may be known only as I reveal myself, otherwise I may not be known. I'm entirely in charge of how much and who knows me, how much I am known and by whom. That's the concept associated with Yahweh, with the word Yahweh or Jehovah as as the word is sometimes referenced. When God speaks of Himself as the supplier, He's El Shaddai and the reference there is as a nursing mother whose breasts are engorged with milk. The term Elohim is in reference to the majesty of God and here the majesty of God is a reference to the kingly nature of God. Majesty here is not so much about crowns, uh, of uh, uh, bejeweled crowns, as much as it is what crowns signify, signify. Crowns signify a majesty associated with rule, it is where we get the term magistrates or it is from where the term magistrates is derived. So the helmet of salvation is in the nature of a majestic crown, a crown that signifies the impregnable nature, the uncompromised nature of divine rule. So when Elohim stands in the congregation of the mighty, both Elohim and the mighty are in their roles as judges. Judges in the ancient world were among the mightiest of officials often holding the power of life and death. So I wanted to do a little bit to set up for you something of the helmet of salvation. It's a crown of majesty which signifies when the crown is worn, the idea that the decrees are supposed to set free or condemn according to the subject matter that is being judged and according to the subjects of this judgment. So God stands in the congregation of the mighty and He judges amongst the magistrates, that's what it means. Now let us look in the ensuing um, segment at how this works out 
in terms of the helmet of salvation as it relates to the expectation of righteous judgments. We'll continue that in part two of the helmet of salvation. I'm Sam Solon. We'll study that further. Till then, bye-bye.